We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back for another Food for Thought podcast, NFL edition, right here on rotogranders.com. I'm your host, Justin Carlucci, and I am alongside of Will Priester. What's going on, Chief? How are you? Nothing much, man. Definitely glad to be here. Talked about it pre-show. This is this is not your mama's podcast. It's not your grandma's podcast. It's not your uncle or your aunt's podcast. You know, if you want advanced ad- analytics, uh, listen to it later in the week. This is a, a fun podcast. That's what this is about. Football, food, fun. The three F's, football, food, fun. If you want the three A's, analysis, analytics, and aggravation, listen later in the week. I'm, I'm kidding about the aggravation. But at any rate, uh, definitely happy to hop on with you, bro. This is going to be a fun pod. Football, food, and fun. The three Absolutely. Fs. And we drop some nuggets. I mean, I go into some area market share stuff, and we talk about some things. But this is more or less, hey, this is most likely early in the week. You're, you're tuning in. You're going to the gym. You're commuting to work. You're, you know, washing the dishes. I, I don't know. You, you're just fresh from Monday Night Football. The, the, the milk is still dripping down your lip <laughs> from Monday Night Football. What kind of stats do you want, people? Come on, man! If Football. you're not if you're not here just for the analogies and the uh, the phrases and sometimes a little jingle from the chief because we know he's got that American Idol esque voice. So 
Uh, you never know when he's going to pull out a solo later in the oh. show. But yeah, man, just hit the reset button with us. I know my brain is still spinning typically by Tuesday morning. Got to get things together here. And yeah, we like to uh, go through some segments. Elephant in the Room is kind of what we learned last week. And then, of course, our recipe for success, which is what we're looking forward to next week and some things we're picking up on and a little story time and a little GPP food of the day at the end of the show and well elephant in the room let's cut right to it i know we are recording pretty late here on monday on the east coast here after a weather delay and uh it's safe to say the raiders aren't striking any uh, lightning so far half of football left to play but all i'm gonna say about this game is because i know it wasn't on the main slate is john gruden still stuck in the 90s not sure about that 3-0, and uh, if it's fact or fiction, if we're pretender or contender. And, uh, you know, a little frustrating to watch in that first half, Chief. So, Well, do don't worry. The Raiders are going to come out on fire in the second half. All right. Well, listen, I want I, – I, I predict 34-27. You want – Chargers. Oh, okay. That, that's still uh, – you know what? That's asking for a lot, but it could happen. It Tell could happen. When, when you're down three touchdowns, you have to pass, right, Gruden? You have to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. This is some, that's some analysis right there. When you're down three touchdowns, you have to throw the ball. Keep I it mean, simple, student. Yeah, right? there it is. There it is. Oh, man. Anyway, we, we might talk some Chargers and Raiders later in this podcast, but another action-packed week of NFL football. A lot of surprises, you know, and, and some interesting developments. And I want to ask you, what is your – First elephant in the room, whether it's fantasy-wise or just real-life football stuff, give me one of your biggest takeaways from Sunday's action. Uh, Elephant in the room for me is you're not going to like it, but you're going to love it. The Titans stink without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Yeah. My gosh, I, I I had no doubt in my mind that they would just throttle the Jets and Derrick Henry did throttle the Jets. The problem is he got no help. I mean, what when, when a running back has over 150 yards rushing, in my mind, I say, oh, yeah, they definitely won that game. Did not win the game, folks. I couldn't believe it. Did not. Once again, did not win the game. How in the world does this happen? At any rate, that's my first one, and that, that was because you're a Titans fan. Now I'm going to move over to my home team. I always want to, we want to get our home team juices flowing. The Carolina Panthers are now three and one, and they did not look as bad as the score as you think. Sam Darnold had costly interceptions and gave the Cowboys short field position on back-to-back drives, and that's how the game kind of exploded. So – The Panthers are – I still think the Panthers are a lot better than we think they are, and I'm really excited about what we saw. The two turnovers did cost us, and we lost a crucial fumble recovery because they said we couldn't review it. The guy got hit, ball came out, but they said it wasn't reviewable because they said his forward progress was stopped. Couldn't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the Panthers are somewhat for real in a division that I think they can actually – they can actually win. Uh, secondly, and I, I know I'm, key, I'm trying to key in on weird happenings, right? Like weird happenings around the league. Don't get sucked into Travis Kelsey and his weird performance where the Chiefs score 42 points 
and he has like 24 yards receiving and four catches. Like, let's not buy into that. Travis Kelsey is still the real deal, and I'm probably going to be investing in him every week. Uh, last but not least, for me at least, what do we make? And I think this is a big one. What do we make of the Cardinals now that they've throttled the Rams? That's, I think, a big deal around the league. On the road. Yeah. Yeah. This, is a, this I think, is a big deal. Is A.J. Green, has he hit the fountain of youth? <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's so amazing what you can do Listen. when you have competent quarterback play. That I got, mean, the, he, that got the Chiefs so excited, his headset just fell off. He was hurt every season. I think A.J. just didn't want to play for the Bengals. Got out of there, and all of a sudden now he can go four for 55 and a touchdown every game. Unbelievable. Well, when you have the best quarterback in the league throwing you the ball, did you hear what I just said? When you have the best well, quarterback in the league throwing you the ball, I think things, you know, open up a little bit. You, have, you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you get him going. You have Christian Kirk doing his thing. Coverage gets a little softer on A.J. Green, right? What else yeah. are you going to do? And then you get Rondell Moore, Mr. Inspector Gadget. What, I, mean, I mean, that was a big win for the Cardinals. Well, Huge. Right, let me backtrack and say. Please. I, I'm so happy I had some family and friends check in on me Sunday during the Titans game, and then the Yankees played in the basically a playoff game in Yankee Stadium. Uh, so that was that was uh, an interesting day for me. Lots of ups and downs. So the thing is, you're absolutely right, and I I like this sounds weird saying, but I hope that Julio and AJ Brown were actually dinged up and this wasn't a Vrabel rolling the dice thing. I hope the ego didn't catch up to him. I hope he did not think the Titans could win any NFL football game without either of his top two threats, because there is a wide margin between AJ Brown, Julio Jones and Nick Westbrook and Cameron Batson and Chester Rogers. Those were Ryan Tannehill's main pass catchers. I hope that they are well-rested now. I well, hope Derrick Henry had two targets or three. I'm okay with that. <laughs> here's, a, here's a next-gen stat from the next-gen account. And the offensive line needs to protect Ryan Tannehill, who got sacked seven times. I was getting Marcus Mariota vibes from two years ago. Somewhere he has a glass of scotch as he's on IR and is, is like, you know, watching Ryan Tannehill on his back on the football field. The Jets pressured Ryan Tannehill on 37% of his dropbacks which is the most by any next-gen recorded game by any defense since 2016, Chief. Ryan Tannehill faced immense pressure. Taylor Luan and company, man, Taylor needs to stop podcasting and get back to rehabbing and get and get that <laughs> stuff fixed on his blind side because Chandler Jones ate him alive in week one. I'm scared for Ryan Tannehill during any game where there's a, a tough defensive line. You know, Titans came all the way back against Seattle. Huge victory in Seattle. Played a great, complete game against the Colts in week three. But this is typical Titans football. They'll lay down, and then they'll play up to their competition. The Bills are coming to Monday Night Football to Nashville in a couple weeks, and I am hoping that this week and this embarrassing loss with the New York Jets really helped out Julio and A.J. Brown because if they beat the Buffalo Bills in two weeks, nobody will remember that the Jets beat them. The problem uh, is I don't think they're beating the Buffalo Bills. Well, you, I, who, who am I? Who, I didn't think the Raiders would be 3-0. And they're getting throttled now, but that's besides the point. I, I don't I don't know who's being the Buffalo Bills, but the Pittsburgh Steelers took it to them earlier in the year. This is such a, a parody-filled league, and it's such a specific matchup-based league that it's 
it's hard to give you a, well, a definitive answer on who's better than who. Here, here's what I will say. I don't care who you are. You can't lose to the Jets. That's true. And you can't lose I, to the Giants either, but the Saints did. <laughs> you can't, but, but the Saints, they're not, they're not a top-tier team in the league. They don't have Michael, Michael Thomas. They basically got Alvin Kamara, who they won't even throw to anymore. Uh, that's something else. That's another weird happening this week. Another, I mean, my, Alvin Kamara, 120, 20 touch, 20, over 20 carries, no receptions. No targets. Right, right, right. No targets. Even worse. Terrible. E- even worse. Can what Drew, is that? Can Drew Brees give a, a friendly phone call or a visit to Saints practice week and say, uh, yeah, I don't want to overstep, but can you utilize your best player? And guess what? That's not on Jameis, folks. I don't care what you say. And, and maybe it is. Maybe Jameis has got to take command and say, look, coach, I, I know we want to throw to Callaway, but we're going to all of them just – we're just going to throw Kamara the ball out of the backfield. I don't care if he's got no sp- – just throw it to him. Let's figure out what we can do. Um, you know, so – and guess what? They lost the game to the Giants. Sometimes two and two adds up to four, right? Yeah, Another fun fact from this past week, barely made it over my uh, Danny Dimes rushing prop, took him over 26 and a half, and he picked up 27. Talk, talk about talk about a little luck coming through for him. And he picked up those extra three yards in overtime. He had a rush for two yards, a rush for one yard. That's a fun fact, folks, around the, around the, uh, the old water cooler. I, I just want to backtrack one more thing. And I think there is like 10% room maybe a little more like 20 percent chance of some optimism for the jets i I think the defense is actually good well the the coach is a defensive coach he he, i think they like the coach i think the jets can be good long term i'm still not buying that the jets are going to win a lot of games this year just like i'm not buying the fact that the jaguars are going to win a lot of games this year but if you start seeing the team going in the right direction it's like okay and i think that's what you want from any team right and it's not my favorite team but the Jets look like they're finally headed in the right direction. Jacksonville, after the first game, looks like they're trying to head in the right direction. You know, that, that's all you can ask. Well, I'm, I'm just saying the running joke is you can't lose to the Jets. But I think the scores were a little deceiving because Zach Wilson has eight picks, nine, you know, eight or nine picks now. The Jets defense was dealt with such terrible field position the first couple of weeks that, yeah, there's going to be red zone points on the board. It's easy to move the ball when you start in the opponent's territory so often. Uh, that defense is, is, is promising, and uh, we'll see if Zach Wilson can uh, build on that performance. But, yeah, terrible loss from Tennessee. Uh, it's easy to stack 10 in the box when you have nobody on the outside, like Julio or AJ, right? Load them yeah. in the box. Henry still did his thing, but the pressure was there. And uh, I, I'm interested in this Jets defense moving forward. They got some really uh, scary names in that defensive line. Um, but you're right. Terrible loss for Tennessee. We'll see how they rebound. Uh, you know what? You addressed a couple elephants in the room. Mine is Cordell Patterson could play. Cordell Patterson is a thing, and he's still only seeing about a third of the snaps. And I think the argument there is, well, he's only seeing a third of the snaps. He can't. He can't keep performing. It's just logically when you when you're not on the field. Who's this? What has Mike Davis done? Uh, who's to say he's not going to earn more of a role? Is Russell Gage still dinged up? You know, Kyle Pitts clearly hasn't thrived yet, and he's been a disappointment. Who's to say Cordell Patterson is not going to carve more of a niche in, in this Atlanta offense? If Cordell Patterson sees 50% of the snaps, which isn't out of the question, 
Look, look, if he gets to to 50, I'm interested. But I'm going to tell you right now, Cordell Patterson is not going to be putting up 25-point games with 30% of the snaps. Well, I didn't say any of that. But but you understand my point, right? Like like he's serviceable. But at some point, he's going to be priced out of being able to be be played. Um, Right. Unless his role changes and he sees more uh, time on the field. But, you know, if if you're playing a trailing game script – I don't mind running it back with Cordell Patterson if he's at a region a reasonable price. Well, here's what you'll get this week. You'll get him on Thursday night. Ooh, so we, baby. Don't, we, don't, we don't even have to worry about him on Sunday. And I guarantee you he's going to be overpriced. Mr. Showdown himself, Cordell Patterson. Yeah. Oh, you're right. But we're, not, we're not getting 2K Cordell Patterson this week, folks. As a matter of fact, no, 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 no. He's not Thursday night. He's Sunday morning in the London game. <laughs> Sunday morning showdown. That's what it is. It's Sunday morning. That's that's. I said across uh, the pond. Yeah, yeah. That's what that is. He, he he's uh he's Sunday. Well, then we can wait and see. I mean, we can wait and see if his role develops. Get your cup of coffee, coffee with Cordell, and see see what happens across the pond in London there. But I, I think he could have a viable role here. Arthur Smith would be dumb to not incorporate. He's been their best player offensively. So oh, we'll that, see what that, we'll that see what I don't disagree with. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think the glass could be half full if he if he sees a bigger role. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, give me another one, Chief. Another takeaway from Sunday. Well, the other one is 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 an interesting one. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to go and, and kind of visit what, what, in my opinion, was uh, kind of one of the premier games. And that's the Bucks Patriots. Right? Buck, yeah. Bucks Patriots. Yeah. I know it was a low scoring game, but nothing's really changed with the Buccaneers in terms of their overall defensive scheme or schematically for the past three seasons. This team can be eaten alive in the secondary, but you can't run on them a lick. It's it's really interesting because this has kind of been their story. Now, the other half of their secondary this season is, guess what, Luch? Everybody's hurt. And one of their best defensive players got hurt in that game. He's got a quad injury. Well, let's open it up. Who do they play this week? They play Miami. Now, yeah, I know it's Jacoby Brissett, but, man, doesn't it feel like Devontae Parker, who had nine targets against Indy, four catches for 77 yards and a touchdown, and Jalen Waddle, because Will Fuller's still out every every game of every season, doesn't it just feel like, even though this team is not great, man, these receivers should have a field day. Now that Will Fuller broke a finger. I mean, just just what what, in the world It's one thing after another with Will Fuller. And and that stinks because the upside, the upside is through the roof. The upside is always there. It's always there. Yeah, I agree. It's always there. Uh, You know what? Another one for me is, wow, what a what a grind of a game between Cleveland and, and Minnesota. 21 total points. Listen, eventually Nick Chubb's gonna have the game. The volume is still there. He had 21 for 100 yards on the dot, averaged damn near five yards a carry. Uh, so I, I'm going to keep playing Nick Chubb in GPPs. You know, that, that fantasy output hasn't been there, 
but the volume's there. And this is all about opportunity. So yeah, Kareem Hunt is is getting a lot of this, the scoring equity and he's doing some damage. But I'm I'm gonna keep playing Chubb. I'm gonna keep playing Nick Chubb. He's gonna go overlooked because the output hasn't been there. And there's always a lot of guys up top, and there seems to be value opening up in the 5K range every week. So I think Nick Chubb is still uh, firmly, squarely in play in every tournament slate, and you're going to get him at, at low ownership. I like it. I like it. Something else, now that you pointed that out, uh, something else from that game that, that – and, and a lot of this stuff I, I've been tracking because, you know, when you're in the – one of the things I've learned now that I'm so much more into props – I'm kind of tracking this information game by game by game. I almost don't even need uh, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. I almost don't even need to look at a lot of these things because I know what's happening because I'm tracking it. But Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield have to get more efficient. Right? They they can't keep going with uh, you know, these high target, low catch games. And it's been like that since OBJ's been there. The first game, it was nine targets, five catches. We've got to start getting this in a nine-target, seven-catch range, right, in order for this team to be successful. We can't stay in this catch 50% of the balls. He was under 50% Sunday. Seven targets, two receptions. We, 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 can't, we can't keep getting these types of performances. And that's not Odell Beckham dropping balls. That's misfires. That's missed targets. That's him dropping some of them. But they've got to get better, right? Because Jarvis Landry isn't here. They got to find a way. Like, you know, find a way to get better. I'm done. In 2019, I believe it was. Yeah. Last year was the uh, Beckham injury year, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So 2019, Odell Beckham was the league leader in discrepancy between total air yards and total yards. Meaning yeah. he left a lot of yards on the table. So, and they say we don't have analytics on the show. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. <laughs> and, the, and the data proves this right. isn't a new thing. They haven't been on the same page. They're not on the same page. And they, they've had three years to get on the same page, Chief. So can you fix that? Can you fix that at this point? Here's what, here's what they got to do, I think. Better route combination selection. Okay, we look at the Carolina Panthers, and we're very frustrated with how they've been using Robbie Anderson, right? But their number one receiver gets opportunistic route running to get the ball in his hands. This is why DJ Moore is suddenly catching 10 balls, 8 balls, 9 balls. They're giving him really good route selection because he's the best receiver on the team. You get what I'm saying? So – we, we got to give Odell Beckham better route selection. Okay, you want to get the ball in his hands? Give him some screens. Give him some, give him some catches a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage so you guys can kind of get together. You know what I mean? Let, let, let me give you one more of my elephants in the room, and then we'll get, it, we'll get into some of these injuries because there's some injuries we have to talk about. Air yard market share. One of the advanced tools I look at, and it's easy to use on the Roto Grinders Premium Usage app, which is everything right at your fingertips. And I love that it's updated on Monday night right here, so I'm able to give you some good, some good nuggets, as Chief would say. But there's a handful of receivers that have over 40% of the air yard market share of their respective teams, and there are a handful of receivers that have over 30% of the target market share of their respective team. So I'm looking at 40% air yards market share, 30% target market share. 
And there's only two guys that overlap here in the whole National Football League. Those two guys are Terry McLaurin has 40% of his team's area to market share and 30% of his team's target market share. And the other one who has continued to prove the the doubters wrong in a it's low, gotta be Devontae Adams in a low volume pass attack. Oh no. Is Debo Samuel. And I, I cheated a little bit here wow. to make it work. I cheated, a, I cheated a little bit here to make it work. Debo is at like 39.8% of air yard market share. And Terry is at like 299 of target market share. But here on the Food for Thought, we like to round up, not round down. So, yeah. so yeah. So, Debo, man, week in, week out. And, uh, yeah, Devontae's had a couple of strange weeks uh, mixed in here. But I, I figure the Debo Samuel thing uh, might be a good segue into – uh, what the hell's going on in San Francisco? Can we, can we play the what if game? We, we don't know if we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo or are we going to get Trey Lance? And talk to me about Trey Lance. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it really matters. I think they lose this game this week either way for what it's worth. Um, I do think you're going to get a little bit more rushing upside with Trey Lance. Um, and, you know, may, but, but here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to write him off. Uh, because he was nine for 18 in the Seattle game and he would have a whole week to prepare with the, with the starters. So I, I don't, I don't want to write Trey Lance. I mean, he had 157 yards passing in that game. I will say this. If Trey Lance is starting, I'm interested. Like if he's starting completely, not like, Hey, we're going to have this split by the way, folks, you know, uh, Luch and I were just talking before this, uh, this half and we're recording during Monday night football, the Raiders got a, a, they stopped the chargers on a drive and now they're going to get the ball back. And what did I tell you, Luch? What did I say? I thought this game would be the 34, 27 mm-hmm. Raiders. I yep. mean, 34, 27 chargers. If the Raiders can score this drive, it's 21, 14 and I need them to score. And we're well on our way. And then, and now, and now if they get the ball back, we can get Carlson going with some field goals, my friend. Anyway, that's just a little inside talk between me and Luke. A little water cooler showdown prop talk, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> water cooler talk. All right. Yeah, I'm interested in Trey Lance if he starts 5,700. And, um, you know, one, one of my takeaways were, and we've just seen in some of the top Millie winning lineups and some larger field stuff that, We've seen some team stacks with some of these cheaper quarterbacks that are in great matchups, whether it's a terrible pass defense or a very pass heavy game script for trailing um, and, and, and paying up at those kind of other correlated positions or the other one offs to get those ceiling games. Like we saw Heineke and, and McLaurin in that Atlanta game who were both a very cheap team stack, which allowed you to pay up for you know whoever else had the ceiling games on the side, you know, whether you, you know, whether you paid up for Derek Henry. You know, he had 28 points, which he was fine at that price or whoever it may be um, that cost more money. So uh, and we saw we, we saw Daniel Jones, you know, have a game. Um, we saw a couple of weeks ago, Tom Brady was under 7K and he was in the Millie Wiener, the Millie Wiener, <laughs> the Millie winner. Sam Darnold had a big game this week. Sam too. Darnold, Just big two game. interceptions cost us. Jesus. So. <sighs> I'm picking up on this trend here where I'm more prone to look at those 5,700 Trey Lances and go overweight, you know, playing someone, uh, dare I say, Ryan Tannehill against the Jag, Kirk Cousins against Detroit, that mid six range against two terrible defenses, you know, Sam Darnold. I I don't know what to think about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, You know, all these guys are subset for crying out loud. Dak Prescott is still not seven K. 
So, yeah, Kyler Murray could put up 35. He's playing some elite football, whatever you want to say. Tom Brady could go out there and rebound after uh, the narrative game didn't work out so much. But but I'm almost inclined to take, you know, a grand in savings, 1500 in savings, and find a cheap little team stack or run it back, you know, with this little one-off, you know, little game stack action. So I think that's where my head's at this week. Pairing one of these, you know, mid 6K quarterbacks or dare we drop into the Trey Lance range, you know, if he is definitely going to start. I mean, geez, we even got Mac Jones against the Texans. I don't know. He looked pretty damn good in Foxborough. He threw a better wet ball than Tom Brady did on Sunday night. So that's kind of, that's my first look for roster construction. It's a very early look here, but I'm more inclined to kind of go cheap at the team stack position and work my lineup that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. I think in terms of matchups this week, for me, you know, I think if you're looking at it overall, I'm always a guy that's going to just attack bad defenses. And I don't care how much the players cost or don't cost, right? Because it's all about taking what you have and trying to put those opportunities together. And so, you know, you're looking kind of around the landscape of the league and you're saying, okay, my gosh. What in the world? Um, who or, or which matchups this week uh, look like they're going to be opportunistic for us, right, from an offensive-defensive perspective? One of the ones that actually jumps off the page to me, believe it or not, is the Tennessee-Jacksonville game. Like, is this the week we actually get to use Trevor Lawrence, who, in my opinion – kind of started putting it together these past few weeks, right? Starting to run the ball a little bit more, right? Six for 27 against Arizona, eight for 36 against Cincinnati. I think he's going to keep dialing it up. We see we see them kind of setting it up through the run game, right? James Robinson, still not overly expensive. 6K flat. Like, can we put something together? We know that DJ Chark is out. Is, is LaVisca Chenault going to be for real, right? You see, And he's 4,800 against Tennessee. Like, you see, this is one of those games where you start looking and you say, well, wait a minute. This whole team is pretty cheap. And then guess what? If you want to get the game stack going, especially if we still have bad news on the, uh, on, on the Julio front, then at Julio and A.J. Brown front, you literally just plug in Derrick Henry – and then stack the Jacksonville side yep. because they're going to score points. This offense is better than the Jets, I think, right right this moment. You got Marvin Jones down here who, who's going to be involved. This game is getting me really, really, really excited. Really excited. What do you think, my friend? I, I think there are many ways to attack this game, and I, I think it's squarely in play. I, I, my gut right now, I, I think Julio Jones plays. I think AJ Brown's, I don't know. I'm, listen, it was Monday night, but I'm thinking Julio plays and I'm thinking AJ Brown sits. Of course, you know, Vrabel under the Belichick tree of coaching isn't going to give you squat and uh, any early week pressers. Uh, and there's such a negative narrative around this Titans because they lost to the Jets. And maybe, maybe it was good they got that out of the way early, right? Just get your embarrassing loss out. Perhaps. But then you got to say, if Julio Jones is in play, 6,700, and, and a must-rebound game, and A.J. Brown's out, you know where the target market share is going to go. Like, maybe we finally see that, you know, 10-target game from Julio. I mean, he showed out against Seattle, 
had that touchdown get called back. Otherwise, his, he'd be pushing 30 fantasy points that week against Seattle. Um, and then Indy, he obviously didn't play the second half there in, in that grind of a game. So I think we look at some news here, and I think there are different ways to build this game stack. And, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites here, depending on how things shake out. I think we're going to see a lot of points in that game, Chief. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, I definitely think points are involved. And the other thing, too, is check this out. If Julio is back and Derrick Henry's there and Tannehill's there, now this gets really interesting because Julio is sixty-seven hundred bucks. Right, that's what I'm saying. Now I don't. Now I don't like hurt Julio for for what it's worth because I've just seen hurt Julio go out there and run three or four routes and then he's out for the game. I don't ever like hurt Julio to be honest with you. But I do think it's something to consider. And I actually think the week to play Westbrook Akeem, if that ends up being the case, is this season, is this game. Even though I played in the last game, I think it's this game. The post-hype rebound? Well, he's going to have someone else that they have to account for by the name of Julio Jones. Should be a lot easier for him to, to get. I mean, he had eight targets. It's not like he didn't get the targets. He'll have favorable coverage. Yeah, it gets really exactly. Let me tell you, there was just some bizarre, bizarre verbiage from Vrabel about Julio and just even that Colts game two weeks ago. Like AJ Brown got hurt, got hurt in the first half, went into the locker room, changed into street clothes. Julio played a handful of snaps in that second half. And, and, and was fully suited up, had his helmet on for some of the second half, and uh, Rabel just said he got a little tight. So I don't know if this was almost uh, – I know NBA season's coming up. Was this slight load management and Rabel rolling the dice? We know he likes to irrationally gamble sometimes and just say think his team could beat the Jets without Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Bud Dupree. Do I need to go on? How many – guys this team was missing and Vrabel thought it was okay in the National Football League to potentially uh, load manage. If Julio goes out there and he's fine, I'll have mixed emotions that A, Vrabel tried to load manage Julio Jones in, in, in an AFC conference game. I don't care who it is, you know, uh, but B, that'll make for an interesting game stack because he will be the premier alpha receiver. And there's this negative narrative around Tennessee and people will be scared if Julio is hurt Julio or not that, yeah, maybe Julio becomes a great tournament option if he gets the green light, Chief. So uh, I think that's a, a good uh, segue into our recipe for success here. But I want to do go over a couple of other quick injuries, and you let me know what I'm missing. But I know the Montgomery uh, news, you know, he already broke the early only slate when he scored twice, right, at 100 yards. Yeah. Um, the Bears aren't really giving an update on Montgomery just yet. Well, so they, they, did, they did say it's not an ACL, well, which good. is good, that's which good. is good. Damien Williams has a Q tag as well, though, Chief. I guess he had a thigh bruise in the win. And um, on DraftKings, there, let's see, who would, let's say Damien Williams is out too. <laughs> let's go to the Bears here. Are we going to have our first 4K running back of the season that's in play? Uh, we might, and it might be ugly, but there might yeah. be a 4K running back in the player pool this week. Yeah, so it, it very well could be. And so if, they're if playing the Las Vegas Raiders on a short week, on a yeah. short week. But hear me out though. What's your thought here? I mean, I'm just speaking out loud. I'll throw it over to you. We know Damian Williams can be a multi-dimensional kind of back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield from his Chiefs days. So, 5600. Let's say Montgomery's out, 
are we looking at mega chalk here with with Damian Williams potentially? If it's not mega, I think we'll be close. Um, so yeah, I, th- that's that's the read I would have if if uh, if it's all out. I, I definitely think it, it would be close uh, because I, I'm absolutely not expecting David Montgomery to play at all. Like I, I don't think he's going to play. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And what was your kind of conclusion after watching a Justin Fields game against the Detroit Lions? Where are you with him? Same conclusion I've drawn all rookie quarterbacks, all rookie quarterbacks, including the ones that you think are bad. You got to give these guys time. Like we treat rookies like they're the savior of the world. Like They're supposed to come in and then totally change the franchise. Well, you still need an offensive line. You still need talent around. And I'm not saying Fields Fields doesn't have talent around. Don't get me wrong. He's got some talent. But my point is, you still got to give all of these guys time, right? You know, uh, there are only a handful of Michael Jordans, LeBron James's, Tom Brady's, uh, dare I say, even though this guy's going through a scandal, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Like, those are kind of the recent big success guys that just can put up numbers out of nowhere. Lamar Jackson's right. And, 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 you know, everybody thinks the word, the the word is still out on Lamar because he can't seem to get out of the AFC championship, but how many other rookie quarterbacks have outperformed that small group, Mahomes, Jackson, and Deshaun Watson, not very many. Right. Okay. And now I used, I use, I call it the Baker Mayfield syndrome where Baker Mayfield goes into a bad situation and has 50 head coaches his first three years. Well, a, a quarterback can't be successful like that, right? You take Sam Darnold, who's in Carolina and looks like a totally different quarterback, but with the Jets, he just couldn't get it together, you know? Ryan Tannehill in Miami. Whoa, Adam Gates, just terrible coaching. Goes to Tennessee, all of a sudden they look. he looks like he's okay, you know? Um, so I think you have to give these guys time to develop. And then a lot of times it, it, it is coaching. It's like, well, can I get a good coach? Can I, can I get somebody that's going to build up a good organization? You know what I mean? Like, like rookies need that. And so I said all that to say every rookie needs time. I'm not buying into Justin Fields is bad or good. I'm buying into the fact that he needs time. He needs competent coaching. He needs things built around him. I think the most successful rookies, and this is getting like the barbershop now, I think the most successful rookies have the offense built around their strengths, not their weaknesses in week one. I mean, in year one. That is why Lamar Jackson became so successful, right? They just built the offense around him and said, hey, until the things that we need to catch up catch up, we're going to let you do your thing. And what did they do? They went off into the races and, and started winning games. Going AFC champ, like that's what you have to do with rookies. You know, give them what they what they're going to be successful at, and then come back and fine tune the rest in the offseason when they can handle a little bit more. They can chew on a little bit more. All right, Lutz, let me get off that soapbox. No, back don't worry, you. you'll sleep well tonight. Matt Nagy said they knew what they were doing last week, so everything will be fine. Just kidding. We're not so sure, Matt Nagy, if we agree with you or not. Uh, Joe Mixon's dinged up. Originally, he was deemed week to week. Now, uh, Zach Taylor and company are saying it's more of a day-to-day thing. I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. It's Monday night slash Tuesday morning. Another 4K guy could be Samaj P. Ryan. He could be a thing, whether or not 
he has the upside in that game. Uh, it's not for me, but uh, you know, another 4K running back that will be in some kind of discussions throughout the rest of the week if Joe Mixon is not a go. Uh, any input on the uh, Joe Mixon P Ryan thing before we look at a couple other things here? Chief, I know it's late. You're on mute. We'll let it slide. Yeah. Back to, back to business. Yeah, I think – sorry, I was just talking away. I think of some Maj P. Ryan's playing. I think he's in play. Uh, I'm not afraid of the Green Bay Packers. I, I can tell you that right now. So, um, I, I think this team can put up points. I think Cincinnati is absolutely better than the Steelers. And so, I, I think they'll. I think he will have some opportunities. Let, let's – I'll put it like that. I think he will have some opportunities. Um, and, and, and we just we just go from there. Yeah, we'll have to monitor the uh, New York football Giants injury tags on their uh, receivers. Obviously, Shepard, questionable again. He missed last week. Slayton missed. And on the last podcast, you know, I joked that Barkley would get the Najee Harris bajillion targets from the previous week. He did not. But after the first couple of weeks, he's been more involved in the pass game. So Quan Barkley had the walk-off touchdown game winner. He had 18 total touches, two touchdowns. It was good to see him more involved in the pass game in the last two weeks. And if the Giants are short, you know, talk about another game stack here. And I guess we could segue into a recipe for success here is I, I like this little NFC East. You know, people say divisional games are slugfest, but I, I don't know if I'm buying it. I, I think there could be some points in this Giants-Dallas game. And, uh, you know, Dax under 7K, which to me is just, ludicrous still with with his upside Uh, i'm interested in barkley if the receivers are out again for new york Um, and his high snap rate and and usage his role like they're using him as if he never got hurt so i think there's a lot of room for optimism with saquon barkley and nothing to worry about and kenny galladay finally at 100 yards needed the help of a bunch of other guys being inactive but he got there so um i think the giants are in play you know as part of a game stack and, you know, looking at the Dallas side of things, there's a questionable tag next to Amari Cooper. Uh, Mike McCarthy said that he might be limited in practice this week as he's dealing with rib and hamstring injuries. So not one, but two things to worry about there. And man, CeeDee Lamb, uh, I know he's coming off of a two-catch game um, and back-to-back duds where his team scored a ton of points. But... In the NBA, what was one of our favorite phrases, Chief? Going back Go to back the well. To the well. Going back to the well. So I love, I love this game. Let, um, let me ask you this. Let's let's pause on that real quick. Okay. Is Dalton Schultz for real? Is is this a real thing? Because here's why I'm asking. I'm looking at the targets week one through four. Six, two, seven, eight. And he's only 4,400. This seems for real this season. What say ye, my friend? Player development, buddy. Uh, And I think he's taking on a a bigger role here. And uh, I like what I see. I agree. The targets are there. Um, Not not a ton of of the air yard market share, but, you know, know, doing damage after the catch. And uh, I I think anytime... Go ahead. Go ahead. Anytime you're a part of this offense, I mean, he ranks, let's see, 
sixth among tight ends in target market share. So that's nothing to sneeze at. We're talking about, uh, you know, TE1 numbers there, my friend, right? Here's, here's the other thing, though. It's the type of routes he's running. He, they're, get, they're getting them in screens. Yep. They're, he's running the intermediate patterns, right? He's not running a whole lot of these. To, typically, he catches the ball at seven, eight yards down the field with, with opportunity for 15, 20 yards if he can get some, some yak. And they're using him in the red zone. Yeah, and you know I'm, look, I'm sitting here looking at Evan Ingram, who just got back. First week against Atlanta, two catches for 21 yards. Second week against New Orleans, six targets, five catches, 27 yards. What does that tell you about the route running? They're, they're trying to get him to do all this extra after the catch around the line of scrimmage. Dalton Schultz is, you know, he, he's five, six yards down the field before they're even looking to get it to him outside of some screens. Numbers aren't telling me here that Amari Cooper's close to 100%. Played 48% of uh, the snaps in week four. So that, yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's something to monitor. You know, if he goes, he might not be 100%, which moves up Dalton Short, Schultz in the pecking order again, right? We yeah. still don't have Michael Gallup. You know, Cedric Wilson is purely a slot receiver. Yeah. So Dalton Schultz is an integral part of this offense if Amari Cooper's not 100%. And I just said just for some context here, that he ranks one, two, three, fifth in target market share at 20% among tight ends. Darren Waller's only at 24%. He's a league leader. I mean, he's right there. That's elite uh, opportunity uh, for a tight end in this league, and he is underpriced for sure. Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. with you, man. I'm with you. Uh, as we continue our recipe for success segment here, what other kind of team stacks are you looking at or good game environments that are jumping off the page? Yeah, an additional one, which is kind of more of a what I would consider to be maybe a lopsided one. I do like the New England Patriots this week against the Houston Texans. I, I think this is a week where I'm interested in Mac Jones at 5,300, where he sh- where he should be able to squeeze out two touchdowns, possibly 300 yards, possibly. I'm not saying he will. And and to me. Uh, this is a week where Jacoby Myers at 5,600 could just pop off. I mean, he had 12 targets, 14 t- – like, he's the, he's the number one guy. He's getting there just on catches and, and small yardage. The minute he starts catching touchdowns, he's a slate breaker. So I, I'm very interested in this New England game. One other thing, too, is, you know, in, in terms of that same game, uh, Damian Harris should have a field day against Houston. At 5,500, he hasn't eclipsed 100 yards outside of the Miami game. I think he could be well on his way. Well on his way. How about that mute button? uh, What goes around comes around. There it is. After watching that Sunday night game, J.J. Taylor could be in the luxury doghouse that Bill Belichick owns when people fumble away their opportunities. Yeah. JJ Taylor had that fumble. Ramondre Stevenson was inactive. So he still hasn't left the doghouse. There's room for two in there. And of course we know, we know what happened, you know, James White's unfortunate injury and that stinks. A Brandon yeah. Bolden is pure, pretty much purely a pass catcher, which means if this is a favorable game script, you're right. Can we get 25 carries at Damian Harris? It's not out of the question. It's not, it's not out of the question. So, Ladies uh, and gentlemen, I'm with you there. I'm going to keep updating the people because this is an important game for us. 
the Raiders just got another stop. And it's 21-14, and they just got the ball back with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think we're in business here, Luke, because guess what's going to happen now? If they can score a touchdown here, now we're starting to get into some field goal action. Or we're really in field goal action now. If they get it down, they're going to kick a field You see what I'm saying? Like now it's okay to kick a field goal, per se, at the right at the right yardage line. Sorry, folks, I know we're updating you here, but this is a big game for us on Monday night uh, to try to put a few duckies back well, in the pond. Real quick, plug for you. Tell the audience you know, what you're up to with prize picks and you know where people can find out some of your content and what My you're up God, to. My God, Derek Carr bomb. Was that Zay Jones or was that, was that Henry Ruggs? Please tell me that was Henry Ruggs, folks. But, so let me tell you about prize picks. First half props bombed. And I knew they would when I saw the game script. But I said, what did, we, what did I tell you, Luch? I said, second half, I'm going back all to the same ones because the Raiders were so far behind, they were going to have to push it. And Henry Ruggs just got his whole second half prop in one catch, which is why you take his overs when he's in that. He just caught a 51-yard reception. So I just basically got that prop plus his game prop of 47 and a half all in one catch. So where do you, where do you take advantage of in-game props? And I think that's something that um, more people should be taking advantage of, I think. So where, where do you like to go for that? Well, I do. Honestly, I judge it by the game script, right? And, I, and I'm not, that's basically how I decide how I'm going to attack the second half. I'm not really going to uh, look at target share. I'm judging it by the game, right? So when I look at this game, when you see a team down 21 or, or, you know, or it looks like they're going to be behind, I start getting on overs of the other offensive team early because I say, okay, Derek Carr's going to have to sling this thing now. They can't just keep handing off to Josh Jacobs. But here's the other thing. I also took Josh Jacobs over 22 and a half in the second half. Well, why did I do that? Because once they start throwing the ball, what happens? Those running lanes are open now. A draw, a delayed handoff. Those are the types of things that open up. And so it's like, well, hey, we're, we're going to be in business here in the second half. So literally, my second half props will make up for my first half props. I'm saying, do you? I know we mentioned prize picks. Do you bet live on prize picks? Do you have other prize picks? That's mm-hmm. it. I'm in South Carolina. So there's, there's no other option mm-hmm. for me. Um, but hey, this is, I mean, I love it. And ch- check out. Uh, Will's Twitter at Chief Justice 06 and he does a, a weekly prize picks video for Roto Grinders or what how often is that Roto Grinders prize picks video you do I do it weekly mm-hmm. but listen I'm on Twitter every day putting out the goodies every day for sure so you don't you don't have to worry every day I'm, I'm putting some things out there for the people I don't hoard the the uh the picks to myself and guess what when I'm wrong I put it out there I said hey we didn't get it right today and when I'm right I'm posting the winners Awesome. Quick plug for you. Quick plug for you. Talk to me about an offense that I'm sure will be pretty popular here is the Minnesota Vikings against the Detroit Lions this week. Chief, uh, what's your from a one to ten? We'll play the uh, the uh, MLB, uh, the Dean game, right? Like, give me your, your ranking one for ten. How, how interested are you one through ten in the Minnesota game? I think it. I mean, I feel like it, I feel like it has to be a ten. Ooh. Um, has to be a 10 but 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 for a different reason i i think if you're going to get into the passing game i think it has to be early but i'm not going to write minnesota off right because i mean the the detroit off because they 
if you look, Jared Goff had almost 300 yards passing this week, I think. Like, they can put up some points. They just can't stop anybody, mostly, uh, which was why it was so bizarre in that Baltimore game. But uh, I, think, I think Minnesota can win this game handily, uh, 6,500 for Kirk Cousins. The only thing about Kirk Cousins is, man, like, is he going to be able to – is this the Dalvin Cook game? Oh, my God, Carlson, 50-yarder. Please tell me he made this. Oh, he missed it. I need, We needed that one, brother. We, we needed the 50-yard field goal. Uh, sorry. Sorry, God. That's a gut-wrencher, right? He is the 50-yarder or one point away from the push. Whew, that's a gut-wrencher, Justin Lutz. Sorry, folks. You caught me. Eh. Sorry, brother. We'll get the Pepto-Bismol. Uh, oh, that's a gut-wrencher. Ready for oh. you before bed. But uh, yeah, I think I think Kirk Cousins has got he's got to throw the touchdowns because the passing yards may not be there if it gets out of hand, and then it's going to be Dalvin Cook time, who's priced down a little bit from where he started the season. Yeah, I think I think you can play pieces on on both sides of the ball there, and I I, I don't know like DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, frustrating timeshare, but I think one of them could deliver in this Minnesota uh, game stack here. I think if you're multi-entering, I think. You know, you can set some build rules and don't pair them together, but I think you can play Swift or Williams in some in some game stacks here. Uh, probably Swift if you're playing the Lions might trail and Swift's more of the pass catching back there. Uh, yeah. Sixty one hundred. I'm interested in pairing him with maybe some Kirk Cousins Thielen or Kirk Cousins Jefferson Lions. Looking forward here. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Well, we are moving right along here. I feel like you need to talk to me about the Panthers Eagles game a little bit more, uh, m- mostly because yeah, you're the Panthers guru, but B we saw a lot of Robbie Anderson targets and we were talking before the show that could it be game script oriented and B because Jalen hurts is seven K. Wow. Fourth most uh, expensive quarterback. Well, and I, I know I talked about this. Uh, I talked about this over the weekend. I do think Miles Sanders might end up being popular this week. I mean, I talked about it last week where he was 6,500 or 62. He's 5,700 this week, and I don't know what's going on with them just not at least giving him 15 carries. Like, he had seven carries for 13 yards. Uh, this is this is wild. Um, th- this, this is wild. So I'm very interested to see that. I think he's a good run back. I'm, I, I think he is. But all in all, if I'm going to play anybody in this game, from, from the quarterback perspective, I know we love Jalen Hurst because of the rushing upside, but I think Sam Donald's the guy. We're at home now. We're, we're not on the road anymore. We've been out of town in Texas for, for Thursday night and for Sunday night. I think Sam Donald at home is going to be money. I think Chuba Hubbard at home is going to be money, right? I, I, I think he's going to be money. Uh, DJ Moore is up to 7,500, and he should be. The guy's getting double-digit targets a game pretty much. And he's caught eight balls in three straight games. And also, in two of those games, he's over 100. You get what I'm saying? He should be 7,500. Robbie Anderson is 5K. And uh, he had 11 targets. I, I do understand. I think, it, I think that was more game script. But, if, but I don't mind getting Robbie Anderson involved because he is a – hear me out. He's not Tyreek, but he does have – Tyreek type speed where he can get behind a defense. So I, I, I like Robbie here for a big play or two because we do know that the big game is coming. Yeah, 
I, I agree. It, it was good to see him more involved, whether it was game script oriented or not. Um, man, as much as I'm just scrolling through some praises here, kind of still finishing my first look as well. But as as much as we were talking up Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, another dud down to 4,500 on DK. Uh, I know it's not yeah. an ideal matchup, but he could have the the pass heavy game script there. So that is that's well, check extreme, this out. Check this out. Don't look now, but Zach Ertz is starting to get the targets. Seven targets against Dallas, eight targets against KC, and I think they're going to be in a similar situation where they're behind yet again. I, I'm I'm really Zach Ertz as a secondary. I I, I don't think he's going to be my primary tight end. But as a secondary like flex play, and I know we don't like tight end flex, but at thirty four hundred, if he gets fifteen points, I'll take. It. Yeah, uh, let's stick here with tight end uh, because it's obviously a, a position where you can get different. But it's ugly. It's ugly this week. It's ugly this week. We don't have Travis Kelsey on the slate. We have Darren Waller all the way up against the Bears. We have George Kittle with a question uh, questionable tag. He's day to day with a calf injury. hold on hold on hold on we touched on this one last week chief now the production ultimately wasn't there but that week two game tj hawkinson had with a week three game excuse me with only a pair of targets and everybody said the world was falling down it was just an anomaly he had eight targets against chicago yes he did so he is now going through his game log 11 9 2 8 okay you know it was just one of those games against baltimore in week three it is what it is and I, like I said, I like this game environment. I think you can pick on both of these defenses, and I think you can, you should. I think, I mean, I'm going to, my opinion, pairing TJ Hawkinson up with with one of these, uh, you know, Vikings and and my little correlated builds here. So I love going back to TJ Hawkinson. Some options here at tight end, even though it's ugly. We talked about Dalton Schultz. You know, we talked about Zach Ertz. We're talking about TJ Hawkinson. Now, what else do you want to go into here at tight end? I mean, I think I think those are the the main the main guys. I mean, you know, is Teddy going to play this week? Because if he's not, Noah Font's going to be in play. Uh, do, does look like oh god, this game is frustrating me. Does look like you know Drew Locke is going to be maybe locked in on Noah Font a little bit more than than Teddy was. I mean, the guy had ten targets, six catches, forty six yards, and a touchdown. Got to consider it. Is Tyler Conklin? Real? Is this real? Is this real life, as they say? <laughs> right? Kind of had yeah. that, that that relevant party against Seattle, eight targets, and he had six against Cleveland. In the first two weeks, it's not like he didn't exist. He had four targets against Cincy and four against Arizona. But I think the other guy here is, I mean, I think we can kind of throw out this Tom Brady homecoming game. You know, he just didn't have it. Maybe maybe the emotions got to him more than he'll ever admit. But you know, Cameron Brake still filling in for Gronkowski, potentially – Potentially, and if Gronkowski doesn't travel, I mean, Bright still has six targets against New England. Obviously, there was no production anywhere across the board, but I'm more than willing to to punt Cameron Bright if Gronkowski doesn't play against the Miami Dolphins too. Yeah, I think and, it's great yeah. get right spot here for the Bucks. Yeah, and I'm not buying into it too much. It was that was a kind of a rain game, right? Yeah, but well, you know, what? I don't know, Chief. Why was Mac Jones on a 19 completion streak? And Tom Brady couldn't hit the broadside of a bar. And I, I don't uh, know. We'll, we'll throw the game out, though. I'll, I'm I mean, but, to throw it but, but here's the other thing, though. Uh, you know, Tom Brady hits a big play to Antonio Brown, and they call it back for holding like that. You know, like, if, if you don't watch the game, you don't see those types of plays happen. 
And then you get this holding penalty where Tommy eludes the pocket, throws it down the field 40 yards. It's like, whoa, I told you about And then they call it back, right? And so, you know, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these guys a pass. And, uh, yeah, let's, let, let's see how, how well, it AB rolls also out. had one fall through his hands in the end zone, too. In that yeah. Game. We were just yeah. talking about this, dude. There's context behind every statistic, no matter what it is, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Like an NBA, if a guy's a 35% usage, like that's what happened, right? Like exactly. he, was the, he was the guy being used. Um, speaking of context behind stats, the Eagles had three touchdowns called back because of penalties, by the way, last week against the Chiefs. Three. That's bad. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <sighs> All right, man. Any other parts of your recipe for success here before we start? Closing up shop and getting to the good stuff at the end. I'm good, my friend. I am good. Well, let's hear a story. Story time segment where we just like to talk about craziness going on in our lives. I feel like there's always something like I'm part of. Kirby Austin Eckler, another TV. Uh, so here, here's Ugh. story time. I was um, I was helping a guy from my church uh, move move some items he was he was moving out of his home into an, an, another place and i was helping him uh, move some items he called he's like hey man i'm gonna need some help and so i went over on uh not this past saturday but uh last saturday and helped and we didn't quite finish because he he had so much stuff multiple bedroom sets multiple living room sets multiple computer chairs i'm talking like five or six uh just a a multiplicity of so many things six or seven flat screen tvs and that doesn't include him packing up boxes and all this stuff and so it ended up what i thought was going to be a one or two day job luch ended up being a sunday a saturday sunday tuesday wednesday job Ended up being like a four-day job because Monday I told him, I said, look, I can't come Monday. You know, I've got shows I have to do. And so Monday's out of the question. But what was so interesting to me is that older people that have been around think they're everybody's parents. Right. And so we're helping them move the furniture. And for those of you that don't know, my first job right out of college was at a furniture store in, in their management, a family-owned furniture store in their management training program. So I know pretty much all there is to know about furniture, how to move it in, how to move it out, how to fix things, whatever. And so initially when we got there, he's trying to uh, bark orders. Hey, hey, I, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. I said, hey, listen, Uncle L. That's what we call him, Uncle L. I said, Uncle L. I know what I'm doing. I used to run a furniture store. And finally, after about an hour or two of us moving things around, hand trucking, he said, hey, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I'm used to hanging out with the, I'm used to giving the young fellas direction, but I see I'm just getting in you guys this way. I'm just going to step aside and let you guys move it all out. Well, that happened. Mostly. And then, and, and this is not funny, but it's like the funniest thing that happened in the world. So Uncle L has a, has a bad back. 
right? Has, has a bad back. And we were moving some things into the storage that he's going to get out later. And so uh, he was reaching down to pick up like one of these fake plants. You know what I'm talking about? The little fake plants and the little, the little uh, wooden or fake wooden woven base. You know, he had it for decoration or whatever. Yeah, space filler upper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's go so to he, Home Goods and buy some some stuff no one cares about. Says my girlfriend, right? Like fake. Yeah, toys. exactly. Oh, man. So he's reaching down blanket ladders to <laughs> to pick that up, and he can barely make it. Like it's like he's a sloth, like moving in slow mo. I mean, he just can't get down there. But I didn't realize what he was doing because clearly I was loading something in the. The thing in in the storage room. So then I came back, and I said, "Well, Uncle L, what are you, what are you doing?" He said, "I'm trying to pick up this plant, but you see me down here. You see I'm halfway down there and can't hardly pick it up. Why don't you help me?" I said, "Well, I was loading something in the, in the storage, and I came back, and you were like about to fall over." Anyway, I know the story doesn't come off as funny as it is in real life, but trust me, guys. One of the funniest moments I ever had with the old person ever in my life. Anyway, Uncle L, ladies and gentlemen, helping like, move his stuff. Is that like a respect your elders ish kind of like? A, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know you're you're one of the most respectful people I've ever met, but sometimes you just got to take care of business, Chief. You know? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what was going on with Uncle L. I, I have no clue there. Man, listen, this Carlson missed fifty yard field goal. Man, it's it's just got me sick to my stomach. Can he hit that? We were on our way to the bank. No way he gets to chunk two field goals now. This sucks, man. Disappointing, man. Well, let me let me ask you this. My story time is I was obviously watching the Yankees game Sunday. Uh, I'm a sports mutt. I was born in Long Island, raised in Pennsylvania. And when I when I moved to Pennsylvania, uh, they had the MSG network for a while on my local cable provider, which the Knicks were on. And I was like six years old. Like I'm my John Starks jersey. Love the guy. Shooters keep shooting, right? Might have yeah. shot them out of a few playoff games, but whatever. Still love the guy. And then eventually they blacked out the games. Like you know, and the Knicks weren't on TV anymore. So I became a Sixers fan because I was young and I started watching Iverson and Mark Zumoff was, you know, uh, by the way, uh, Mark Zumoff retiring, one of the best play-by-play callers I've ever had the pleasure of listening to. Long story short, I like I'm a Yankees fan, a Sixers fan, and a Titans fan, and that's just the way it is. Anyway. So the game had me in my field. Aaron Judge hit the walk-off single to kind of get them in the playoffs. And I was like, wow, I've been at some really good games in my life. That would have been a really great game to be at. Chief, what's the best in-person game you've ever been to? Um, I've got to say. <sighs> That's a tough one. I could let you think about this because mine is super easy. Yeah, it's yeah. you go ahead. I, I was, uh, how old would I have been? Eight years old, 98 World Series. I'm grateful I was there. Part of me wished I was a little bit older to remember a little more of it. But my grandfather was a really successful businessman in New York, longtime New Yorker. You know, went to Harvard, uh, owned his own business out on the island, making Boeing, Boeing 757 jet parts and all this stuff. I only have some of his brains. He was my, the smartest man I'll ever meet. Anyway, uh, he was very well connected in the late 90s and somehow scored tickets to the 98 World Series. Uh, Padres at the Yankees in the old stadium and man I, I was very young but I remember that energy in that stadium was just ridiculous and that was the game Tino Martinez hit the upper deck grand slam uh, to send the Yankees on their way and I remember I was you know, eight years old you know eating cotton candy and whatever having a ball but like 
I was so nervous because I was still a diehard fan at that age. I was like watching, I had my eyes covered, but I was like watching through the cracks of my fingers when Tino Martinez hit that uh, upper deck shot. And that was just insane. And I don't think anything's ever going to talk top that. And this must be a year for retiring play-by-play announcers, but Ken Singleton color commentary uh, for the yes network also hanging it up. And he, he was great too. So a lot of good play-by-play and, and color commentators, you know, finally retiring and, but the, the torch got to be passed eventually. And of course we had Marv Albert. We're starting our TNT, our TNT uh, basketball season without Marv Albert for the yeah. first time in our existence, chief. So yeah, absolutely. I- I'm going to be honest with you, man. Check this out. Here's my, the best game I think I've gone to. And, and honestly, it's not a pro game. It's actually a high school game. And I, I promise it's one I played in and it was the year we won a, uh, the high school state championship. Oh. And uh, we were, we were down seven with like three, four minutes left and uh, came back and won that game. Uh, you know, my homeboy Darrell hit a three pointer, got us juiced up. I mean, we're running back down the court, got to stop. Right. Uh, my homeboy Croc hits an elbow jumper uh, right above the free throw line. Down, you know, now we're down two. My homeboy Maurice Hoover comes down, hits a three, dead on, up one. And I'll never forget, they got a steal. And I got a chase down block on that steal in the game. I mean, I had to, I mean, I had to really run. The guy thought he had a wide open layup and I had to chase him down. And I said, yeah, man, this is, this is amazing. Amazing. Chase down block. Yes. Yes. Chase down off the backboard. That's three points on FanDuel. We'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take that. Hey, real quick. uh, GPP food of the day. You got anything? You got anything? Uh, up your sleeve before we head on out of here man listen i've been i've been eating healthy yeah um what i will say is if you're if you're in anywhere where you can go and get you a seafood bag what they call a boil in a bag you can get crab legs sausage corn potatoes shrimp uh they even put a boiled egg in there and they've got like a garlic sauce with the cajun sauce that they put together if you can get any of that um do it I, uh, it, it's fantastic. So there you go. Go get you a little seafood boil in a bag. If you're anywhere around that type of thing. Um, I, I live in the Charleston, South Carolina area. So we've got restaurants, a plenty of those, but yeah, go get yourself something. Awesome. Awesome. I don't like seafood. So I'll just hit you with this. The weather's finally starting to turn and, uh, went over to a friend's house, brought the kid, uh, he has a couple kids running around too. I got the TV going out back with the Penn State game going on. Had a little fire going on, and we had the first uh, s'mores of the season with the graham crackers, the marshmallow, and the chocolate bar. And uh, you know the kids had some milk to wash it down, but I had some uh, salt salted caramel crown royal to finish the uh, <laughs> finish the job with the s'mores there. So nice yeah. compliment there. And uh, the fall is here. NBA is coming up. Looking forward to uh, hopefully getting on some stuff with you there. But, hey, uh, any last words, Chief, before we get out? Not at all, my friend. No last words. All right. Well, hey, until next week, thanks for hanging out with us. Give us some feedback, like, and subscribe. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have any comments 
or questions. And uh, thanks for tuning in. So for the Chief Well Priester, I am Justin Carlucci. Take care and good luck this week, everyone.